the 11th, and um, I, uh, I, I picked from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 for you today. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Something to be learned from that proverb, as, as always. Um, today we're playing catch-up. I owe you one. I was in a study from the stories of the book of Daniel in November, and um, Christmas season comes, and I kind of jumped off of that with one left to go, and uh, because of Christmas, right? You all understand that. So I owe you one, and, and uh, today is going to be part five. It's the final part of a series about the stories that are in the book of Daniel, which is a tremendous, some tremendous stories that are in. The first week, just to kind of give you, just to kind of get you back where we were, we talked about standing out when God calls us to be a little different than the world. We're not, uh, we're not, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So well, there should be some differences. We talked about that. We talked about standing up for what's right. How do you do that without um, making things worse? And then talking about standing strong for God, standing in faith and believing him when we pray. And today I want to talk to you about standing firm when you're in the fire, when you're in the fire, which I think you'll be able to relate to. Either you relate to it immediately or you're going to as we kind of jog your, your thinking. I think the reality now is that, that right this moment, every one of us um, is either coming out of a hard time, in the middle of a hard time, or going into a hard time. It seems like they just come through life. I mean, and some of us are right now in the middle of a place that's really, really difficult, really, really hard. I think a lot of us, and it's true, I think that a lot of Christians sometimes want to believe that because we're Christians, we never really should suffer. And the problem is that that's that's not scriptural. In fact, Jesus himself made a comment about that. He said, he said that in this world you'll have trouble, but so you should take heart because I, I have overcome the world. And, and so Jesus, Jesus acknowledged even the fact that we have troubles in life. And I don't know what it would be for you, you know, what, what kind of struggles you might be battling right now, one fire or another. It could be a financial fire. You just are having a hard time, or maybe a health-related one, something that's going on in your life, or maybe there's a relational situation that's kind of on fire, or your job is unstable, or you don't have one, and you're trying to find one, and you just can't figure out why things just won't get better. You know, you're doing everything that you know to do, and you're, you're trying to do it, but yet you still find yourself struggling. And um, when you're, what do you do then when you're in the middle of that fire? Well, Scripture is going to help, help give us some directions today. And so I want to pray that, 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 that these Scriptures will re- really, really speak to you. So let, let me pray over you. Lord, first and foremost, we acknowledge that you are a good and a righteous God. And so, Lord, it's hard for us sometimes to connect the dots. We... We walk and follow you. Here we are in church in your house. We've set time aside um, because you are our priority. And yet we still kind of come into places in our lives where we struggle. It seems like sometimes more than we should. And we don't always understand. So God, I pray that as we are in your word today, that something of the living, loving Holy Spirit would get down into our souls and we might understand or at least have our faith built through your word. So speak to us, Lord. Our hearts are available to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 1.7 says this, and I've never really, really liked this scripture, okay? Because for the obvious reasons, it says, these trials, whatever you're going through, will show that your faith is genuine. 
So in other words, as you endure these trials, they're going to show the quality and the depth of your faith or the lack of depth of faith. They, they can show that. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Nobody likes to be tested. <laughs> Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter said that these trials are going to reveal your faith. It'll show that your faith is genuine. <laughs> Chew! That was such a dainty sneeze. You should hear mine. They sound like an explosion. Okay. Bless you. Protect her from a cold. Okay. So they, they will show the depth of your faith. They'll show that your faith is genuine and they'll help you to grow a stronger faith. So our key thought today, I just want to place this as a place in the background um, is this. A faith that's tested is a faith that can be trusted. If it's tested, it can be trusted. I'm, I, I don't know if, if you like gadgets. I do. There's a big deal in Las Vegas right now called the Consumer Electronics Show, and all the coolest, newest things show up there, and then eventually they show up you know, in your pocket if you're willing to pay the money for it. And um, so I, I, one, one event kind of caught my interest. There was a a group of people that showed up in an Audi A7 car that had been modified, and the car had literally driven itself from Silicon Valley, which is Bay Area in, San, in California, to Las Vegas. Drove itself. Now, that's not literally true. There were people sitting in the car who could have taken over at times, and you know, it, it, it's, it was mostly freeway driving. In fact, it doesn't drive itself when it's not on the freeway. But it literally, you sit there and be ready to take over, but the car drove all that distance by itself. Lane changes, accelerations, getting on, getting off, figured it all out without the input of the driver. Now, they still had to have a person sitting behind, and I was reading with interest about you know, this guy who was one of the people that had ridden in the car partway. He had to go and, uh, and, and get from the state of California a... Um, new kind of a driver's license. And in fact, there's an application form. You can fill one out and go get one if you want. I just was, I mean, this is what happens to me when I study. I go off on these rabbit trails. I'm supposed to be reading the Word of God, and I end up seeing this is an actual application for getting your autonomous driver's license. The state of California will give you a license to not drive your car. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Okay, so... So the state of California and the state of Nevada have now passed laws allowing car companies to test self-driving cars. So you have no idea. You're, you're, you're on the freeway, and a car goes by, and the guy's got his hands up like this. And it might be completely legal because he might be testing, you know. And so I think so far Audi and Mercedes-Benz and Tesla and maybe others are now out trying cars. The thing is, they're, gonna, they're not doing this. They're not putting, these companies are not putting money into this because they don't plan to sell this. They're going to sell it. But in our litigation-ready society, they will not put it for sale until they know. They have proven by testing that it will work and that it's safe. That's how they'll know, because they test it. Pretty cool stuff going on. And I, I, I think it's... it's it, and here's the deal. We've got these... Three, the, the faith is being tested in the lives of three teenage boys 
There were probably 14 or 15. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's try that. Shadrach. Meshach. Abednego. Well done. Well, you can sound really smart when you talk about these three guys to your friends now. Anyway, there were 14 or 15. These three teenage boys are being tested in the fire, literally. And so we've talked before about this guy who was, whose, whose name was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was very, very evil, and uh, he makes for some interesting stories. And he gets to the point where he decides to build himself an idol, and he builds this statue that's 90 feet tall. That's a big statue, 90 feet tall. The base is 9 feet wide, and um, it's, it's got, it's, it's, I don't think it's totally gold. I don't know, but it's a gold statue. So it might be, I don't know what, what the gold content. A 90-footer. And he decides that he's going to believe in this. This is his philosophy now, his theology. And everyone around him is going to adopt the way he thinks. He says, I'm king. I'm your government. You shall think the way I tell you to think. And so he says to everybody, when I say so, everybody in the kingdom, bow down. Bow down. And he's, and he's gathered um, every government leader, every advisor, every judge, every magistrate, comes to this dedication, and he's got this herald. We talked at Christmas time about a herald. A herald is a person that you'd hire to go out and make announcements for you, right? So here we are in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, he tells us, Bow down, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. When you hear the announcement, you will think like you've been told to think and do what the king says to do. Anyone, verse 6, who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Anybody who does not obey will be thrown into a blazing furnace. And if you read on, you'll see that when the moment comes, everybody bows down except for three teenage boys. <laughs> These guys, they just refuse. They stand firm in spite of the trial that they're facing now that could actually cause them to get tossed into that fire because a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And this is, I think, one of the greatest stories of faith in, in the book of Daniel, maybe in the whole Bible. And I believe this literally happened. I don't believe this is a fairy tale. There's enough evidence. This is a real story. These guys are that are into it. And I, I guess, you know, without wanting to be insensitive or invasive, how many of you have had a, let's just, what you would consider maybe a really bad day in the last month or two? I'm on a really bad day. Okay, I mean, <laughs> okay, me too. So, I mean, I don't know how your bad day was. Maybe it's better or worse than one of these. <laughs> Great parenting there. Now, that's a bad day. Kitty, kitty. Sorry for you, cat. I mean, I don't mean to be insensitive to your bad day or what you face. It could have been significantly worse. But these three boys are about to have a very, very bad day. And um, there are some qualities, though, that can only come out of and only be shaped in, in our faith when we are somehow 
facing a season of trial or a season of fire. And I believe that the Holy Spirit might speak to you and will speak to you today specifically about why, why it is that the Lord has allowed you to experience some of the challenges that you've had to walk through. So as we read through the story, we're going to see three qualities of standing in faith as we navigate through the fire. First one, faith obeys God instead of following man. Faith obeys God instead of following man. I mean, everybody is bowing except three boys that are standing. And we see in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Sounds pretty crazy. Sounds pretty arrogant. I mean, I don't know the tone that they used. It doesn't really matter, but the content here was there in his grill. This is the guy that can cast them in, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, they're, they're saying this to the king. They're saying this in the face of imminent death, and they say, hey, you know what, king? We really don't have to answer to you for this. This isn't between you and us. This is between us and our God, and um, faith obeys God instead of following man. And these guys, they didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to fast about it. They didn't have to post it on Facebook and create a survey to see what the consensus was about it. They just said, you know, we have a pre, one predetermined plan, and that's we're going to obey God, period. That's it. And um, faith obeys God instead of following man. And it would have been so easy for these boys to rationalize, to, to somehow compromise. I mean, they could have just said to each other, hey, um, look, Everybody else is bowing down. Why don't we just go ahead and bow down and pretend? I mean, let's just fake it and uh, do this, and God will understand. He'll give us a pass. Or they could have said, hey, let's, let's just go ahead and worship the idol, um, and then, yeah, tomorrow we'll wake up, we'll feel guilty, and we'll just do what we always do. We'll make another sacrifice and ask God to forgive us again. Or they could have said, you know, if I don't bow down, I'm dead. And if I'm dead, then who's going to be here to tell the gospel? So... God will understand that I'm just going to have to do this this one time. But they didn't do that. They had a predetermined outcome. They said, we will honor and obey God. We will not follow what everybody else is doing. And here's the thing. If you're truly a follower of the Lord, Satan, your spiritual enemy, is going to give you plenty of opportunities in life to compromise what you know to be, what the Lord has called you to do and to be and God's purposes for you. He's going to give you those. And the thing is this, all resistance that you face isn't always going to be hellish. Sometimes even well-meaning, God-loving people who care about you and they care about you passionately will say to you, hey, you are nuts, but you will know that you've heard something from God. And it's especially when there's a a fire in, in our midst and we obey God that um, that, that, that something of faith has to well up within us and it doesn't follow the comments of the crowd, but instead it obeys God. Number two, faith believes in spite of what it sees. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. Now consider this picture. The, the king has, has, has painted this picture for them and um, you know, he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to sizzle. There's going to be loud popping. and I mean, it's going to be gross. Oh, It's terrible. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that they're trying to scare him. He, that's which is what our enemy does many times. He tries to scare us with scary pictures about what will happen if we follow God. 
And here's Nebuchadnezzar trying to scare these boys off, and, and they, have, they are seeing these images painted before them by this king. And verse 17, that they say to him, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I love the fact that they're being respectful, but they're respectfully disagreeing and refusing. Something very cool there. They're saying, no matter what I see, no matter what picture you could say, I believe that not only is my God all-powerful and able to save us, but catch the second part. They're saying, he's willing. He wants to save us. And there's a big step, a big difference there from just being able to do something in my life, from God wanting to do things in my life. Do you believe he wants? He wants to do things in your life. And no matter what the circumstances look like, we have to be, we have to be willing to believe that he's willing. You know, maybe you have recently visited a doctor's office and you've come out with some sort of a diagnosis that's just kind of shaken your world. What do you do? Well, first thing we do is we trust God. And the second thing is our faith has to rise to, to a place and believe with everything that's in you that he's not only able to heal, but that he's willing, willing to heal. He called us to pray and to believe the prayer of faith. And, and so, or maybe you, you, know, you, you are looking at a check balance that's just dangerously low. And what do you do? Well, first thing you do is you sell the snowmobile. You can get by without that. <clears throat> if you don't have a job, get one. Any job, get, get, get going on that way. But then your faith has to grow to a place where you say, I, I believe my God is willing not just able, but willing to be my provider. Willing. Or maybe you have a relationship that's absolutely unraveling. It's breaking your heart. You know, maybe people at work are saying the most hateful things about you that aren't true. Or maybe a friend who you have always trusted has been doing this behind your back and it's come and it's just breaking your heart maybe and, and, and it's a fracture really maybe your spouse maybe your kid a relationship that's unraveling our faith just has to grow and, and say I believe my God is not only able to fix that but he's willing willing to restore those things and the problem for us is that we go so often we get trapped by this prison of what we see it's like being in prison. We live because of what we see. We think that's our cell. Stay, I have to stay in that cell. We allow ourselves to think. What we allow ourselves to pray. How we define our circumstances. Trapped by just what we see. But sometimes our faith forgets to actually look for God. Have you ever let your faith forget to look for God? You know, things can be unraveling. You feel the heat of the flames and, and your focus is upon the pain and the trouble and you forget. We just forget. We don't mean to. We just forget to look for God and he's there. He's there. And if you seek him, he promises that you're going to find him. And there's a scripture in Jeremiah. I love the scripture, um, 29, 11 to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans that I have for you. I know what I'm thinking about for you. Plans for your good, not for your disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But then listen to this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Remind your faith. Sometimes you just have to remind our faith to look for God. He's able to exceedingly, abundantly, 
above and beyond, do more than we think and even ask. God is with us. And our faith needs to believe no matter what we see. I heard this story about, about this, this guy who fell off a cliff, and on the way down, he was able to grab the roots from a tree. And so now he's hanging on the cliff, and he says, Hey, is anybody up there? And he's shouting up there, and hears this voice, and he says, I'm here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe. But it's getting pretty hard down here, and I don't think I can hold on much longer. And God says, well, that's okay. If you really believe you don't have anything to worry about, go ahead and let go. Trust me, I'll save you. Pause. Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) And sometimes God's works and his plans are different than what we think they ought to be or how they'll work out. And that really leads us to the hardest question for today. What if God doesn't do what you are believing him to do? What if you've been believing God to heal someone and they die? What if, what if you've been believing God to bring your kids back into the circle of safety, but instead they just seem to be furthering, wandering further and further into problems with drugs or rebellion or whatever it would be? What do you do? Number three, faithful obedience is our responsibility. The results are God's responsibility. Living out life's call for us is, is what we're called to be, the purposes that we have um, in our life that he's given to us, that's where our role begins and ends, right there. And when he plays it out, it's entirely up to him. God is sovereign, he's, he's, he's loving, he's full of grace, and as you know his nature, it will be easier for you to trust that. But anyway, back to Daniel. So he's, these, remember, these boys are, are staring down the king, and they say to, you know, my God is able and he's willing to save us. Then in verse, teen, verse 18, here's what, listen to these remarkable words for teenagers, 14 or 15-year-old boys. But even if God doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. We're going to do right before God. And we're going to just trust him with our outcome. And for you and me, it's pretty easy to read this story and say, well, yeah, duh, because we're 2,000 years removed and we've heard the end of the story that, that God delivers these guys. But, but these boys, they didn't know. They did not know. The, the oven was hot. They, they knew crispy critters. They, that's what they, they, didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know what God was going to do, but their faith was unwavering. Why? Because they know the goodness of God. They know the love of God. They know the power. They know the heart of God. So in response to this insolence, this rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, turn the burners up. And he orders the furnace to go to seven times its normal temperature. Then he says to his strong soldiers, bind them and toss them in. And the scripture tells us that the furnace was so hot that as these guys carried these three boys to toss them in, that before they even got tossed in, on the outside of the furnace, the heat killed the soldiers. Not on the inside, but before they even got there, that's how hot it was, but God wasn't done. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste. 
<laughs> and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, that has always boggled my mind because he didn't say an angel. He didn't say there's a fourth dude. How would he even know the concept of the Son of God? This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. It's called a Christophany to, you know, spiritual eggheads like me. But it's a Old Testament. This is not the New Testament we're reading here. We're not reading Acts or Ephesians. This is Daniel. And here is someone that King Nebuchadnezzar, this ungodly, pagan, idol-worshipping king, says, fourth one in there is the Son of Man. How would he know that? Well, I really believe that he correctly understood it. And I also believe this, that when God makes an appearance, he's able to make his identity easily known. He's very easy to make, very easy for him to make his identity easily known. So it was as supernatural as the rest of the things that are going on. And scripture says these, these guys were, um, you know, God will show you his power in all kinds of different ways. And, and um, that's, that'll happen through the course of your life. You'll see his power in different ways. But you're going to know his presence probably better, th- better at, than any other time you're going to know his presence when you're in the fire. I wish we could know his presence as easily when things are going swimmingly. But we have a tendency to get more of our focus on our feet and our own needs and where we are. When things are going good, we don't always notice God so much. But when we're on fire, we're sure looking and we tend to notice him. And, And I think that that's when his presence will also be most visible to you. It can be. And I think that's important for some of you to hear today. Because you're in a fire and you need to see him. And you need to see him. Looking at the text, let's go on. It says, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. I love the smell of a campfire. (laughs) They didn't even get that. (laughs) Scripture says they were unharmed, unburned, their robes, even their robes weren't burned. That's pretty miraculous, but there's something missing here that I think is amazing. There was actually something that did burn. Yeah, you caught that. So Bible says they were loose. They were thrown into this fire bound, but now they're loose. The fire burned away what had bound them. And that's pretty relevant. Why is it so relevant? Well, because some of you are facing a fire. Some of you are facing something big or something small. And maybe you're begging God to deliver you from this suffering. And you're saying, God, would you just bring an end to this season? Bring an end to this hurt and this trial, Lord. But it's just possible, just possibly, just like in this story, that the very thing you want God to remove from you is the very mechanism that God wants to use to set you free. Don't minimize the presence of of God in circumstances of your hurt that will accomplish that. Romans 8.28 says that 
all, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And when God shows up in your hurt and the world looks on, God, God will be glorified. Then they'll see you. Scripture says they will see you, but they're going to glorify God. Verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the son of praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. When you stand in the middle of a battle, people looking on are going to see you, but they're going to glorify God. Because when your faith is tested, that's a faith that can be trusted. I want to pray for you, and um, I intentionally kept the message short because I wanted to allow some time today, a little bit of time, for you to receive something of ministry from the King. And um, I don't want this isn't going to be mystical or hocus pocus. This is just the Lord wants to touch His kids today, and so I want to pray over you. And I just ask you to be really transparent with the Lord. I'm not. You don't have to share this with anybody, but, but with God. And as we talk about different types of, of fire, it's okay if you say, you know what, God? I'm kind of mad at you about this. I'm kind of hurt by this. I don't get this. And then wait upon the Lord and see if he won't speak to you in your place. And maybe even he won't address your need. Okay, so um, would you just close your eyes and um, let me pray over you. Lord, I've really felt that these moments could be, for many people, difficult because we're really good at taking our woundedness and just kind of somehow covering over and deciding not to deal with it, and we never do, but but our hearts become a little bit hard in that process. Our faith has been a little bit wounded, and We're just a little less willing because of that to obey quickly or to put faith in you or even to minister to people around us. We're just a little bit less full of faith because of our own experience and and hurt. So, God, I want to talk to you about those tender places right now. For people who maybe have really tried their best to live righteously only to find character assaults coming from the left and the right by, by colleagues at work or friends or family members who just are unwilling just to cut us some slack. I realize, God, your scripture says that, that the gospel will be an offense to the world, but um, Lord, they're just our, I want relationships right with the people I love. So God, I pray that in these moments that what it is that you want to burn off of us in this fire. Burn it away, Lord, but in the, in the end time, deliver us, God. Deliver us in those relationships. Restore, God, um, a child that has wandered off and won't even give me a chance. Restore, God, a marriage that my spouse has said, I just, I don't, I don't love you anymore. Restore there, Lord. Yes. Put the fire back in the belly where it belongs. Bring back together husband and wife. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I know we're praying within your will. Your your scripture says you hate divorce. God, I pray that you'll retrieve. 
And Lord, the things that we've heard in the doctor's office or the things I feel with my body and I'm afraid to go get checked over because I know what happened to my father and my grandfather and I don't want to hear it happen. I just, God, I just pray that something of peace and, and, and right thinking, perfect love, Lord, would cast out fear. That's what your word says, that it's perfect love that casts out all fear. I pray, Lord, for something of faith and, Lord, for you to move on behalf of people whose, whose bodies need a physical healing. And I, I, more than just, you know, the cold and the flu, but people who have been told, this is how your life shall be. This will never work correctly again. This will be okay, but eventually will be unto death. Or this is near the end. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that, God, you would touch, that, that, that your shed blood would do its work, and that, Lord, your broken body would do what it is that you came to do, and that you would heal a broken heart, and you would heal the broken of body. And, Lord, I know that this room also has plenty of people in it who know the name Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, but they don't know the person Jehovah Jireh. And maybe we need to step out in faith. Maybe we haven't been faithful to you as you've asked us to do. Okay, we can get that right, but God, I pray, Lord, for daily bread. Your word tells us to pray this way. You're in heaven. Give us today, Lord, our daily bread. Your word says that there isn't a single sparrow that can fall, and you're not aware of it. How much more do you care about your children? How much more will you clothe us? Lord, I pray for people that right now need to hear and know Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees from heaven and provides. I pray, Lord, for a miraculous intervention there. And for people in this room who are sailing well today, everything's firing off just fine. But maybe there's a place of withholding in their faith because they just haven't seen you when they've needed to in the past pray, Lord, that there would be a refreshing, that there would be a breaking, an ice dam break in there, and that there would be something moving once again, and that, Lord, you would be able to cause a stirring in souls this day. Lord, I want to pray about a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where there's a listing of gifts that you have promised to your children that are there to build people up. And God, I pray that the gifts of your spirit, not flesh, but the real, genuine moving of the supernatural would begin to happen in our lives and through our lives. So that, Lord, this would be more than just a sermon and more than a yes, message Lord. and more than a moment, but it will become a way of life, Lord, as your spirit moves in us. Yes, Lord. Now, church, um, first off, in Jesus' name, amen. Second, I would ask you now, we've, we had this song ministered to us before. I want you to stay in your seats for the first part, and when we get to a, a chorus towards the end, Eric will ask us to stand. But I want this first part, I want to ask you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you and that you would reflect. When the weight of life begins to fall On the name of Jesus I will call For I know God is in control And His purpose is unshakable Doesn't matter what I feel Doesn't matter what I see My hope will always be 
Casting out all fear For your love has set me free My hope will always be In your promises to me Bye. 
promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear. For your love has set me free. Hope will always be your promises to me. That I'd rather be declaring no place that I'd rather be, no place that I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love, us God. No place that I'd rather be, no place that I'd rather be, no place that I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire, so set a fire down in my soul that I can. tender areas, Lord, might experience a touch of your spirit. Pray, Lord, that today we would walk not based on what we see, but because we understand your love and your promises to us are real. I thank you that you delivered those three boys out of that fire by going in there to be with them and taking them out. Do the same, Lord, with us today, I pray. I pray, Lord, that we will remember your presence tomorrow. We'll remember to look for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your loving ways. In Jesus' name, amen.